Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast. We're going back 40 years, all the way to 1983, for a special episode. Film explosion, 1983. And this is such an important year, and everybody loves all the movies in it. We only have three people participating today. <laughs> With me is Brad. Hey. And Zach. Hello. And if you've never listened to a Real Nerds podcast, Film Explosion, we take our 10 favorite films of a specific year, and we rank them, and then we debate them, and then we say, hello to my little friend. Say hello to my little list? Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's, um, that's my over-the-top Al Pacino from the over-the-top Scarface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From this year. Yeah. Um, I went big or went home. <laughs> I always know how popular a movie year is, is by how many lists we got. I've gotten one response on Facebook <laughs> for one movie. <laughs> and uh, Carol sent me a list, and she says, it's the shortest list ever. Um, yeah. Uh, I've known this for a while, that this might oh, yeah. possibly, possibly be the worst year for movies in the modern era. Well, it, w- it was funny because I was talking – we were talking about this for a couple months – and I said, Brad, I'm like struggling to get to 10. And like, I've seen a lot of movies from 1983 and I couldn't believe how shitty it was. <laughs> yeah. Like I've seen movies from this year, yeah. but do I like most of the movies from this year? Not so much. There's like two or three movies that I do have in my top 150 movies, but like everything else, I'm like, eh, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. take it or leave it. I don't care. And even, um, even I think my oh maybe maybe it is just one movie that I have in my top one hundred and fifty because even a great franchise is ranked high on my li- list, but I think it's one of the weakest films in this franchise. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean I still love movies, but sometimes you know I, I think back to Aladdin and where you know the Cave of Wonders says. The diamond in the rough. And that's all I can think about when I look at the list of 1983. Like, there has to be something, right? If you give you a perspective on how, like, like lackadaisical I was on this, there's a film that was also on my list last year that I ended up putting on this year because I'm like, 
1983. Uh, what do I really love? And um, and I goofed, but I'll stand by this. <laughs> like it's my mistake to own. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess there's movies I really do like, but and it's fascinating that it's sandwiched between two great years, like 1982, which is a banger, and yeah. then 84 has like, a lot of great stuff. And mm-hmm. actually, um, and just a little house cleaning here because there were so many great movies in March and April. Um, or movies we wanted to see, we're putting this off a lot longer than normal. So, Film Slotion 1993 is in two weeks, and that one was a fucking bitch. Mm. Because in there's the so many yeah. great movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way too, way too many 1993 classics there. Yeah. I assume everybody will have cone heads at the top of their list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's only on my list. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's ten times. It's just all ten slots. Try to see if we can play the cone heads trailer at least twenty times before people go insane. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we do. Um, Brad has prepared once again a Blu-ray of the trailers. Brad, were these hard trailers to find? Because I know the earlier years are a little more difficult to find. Yeah, they weren't difficult to find, but a lot of them are just aren't in HD, which sucks. Yeah. Mm. So, um, and then a few of them are like people have done like fan edits of them. Mm. So you're like, oh, I found it, and that's like, oh, it's just someone modernized it. That's not what I want. I want the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really want them to say in a world. Oh, they do. <laughs> they do, my friend. Sweet. In a world where cocaine is king. <laughs> 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 One immigrant comes to Miami. You're damn right! In a world where the Empire (laughs) has struck back. (laughs) Can the Jedi return? Mm, Me thinks we can. It'd be great if Yoda just turned to the screen and went like, I think they will. (laughs) So, yeah, let's uh, start the list. Brad, you have maximized this list for team-ups and sweeps. Um, And... Uh, my favorite thing about your Blu-rays are the sweep footage. Um, Don't get too excited because I was not excited about this year, so <laughs> okay. I didn't try hard. <laughs> All right, fair enough. On that one. Um, but we do have palm trees on here. Yep. Mimicking uh, Tony Montana's lair, I think, in some point. I haven't seen this movie in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw it once, and I, I said, and I want my money back, <laughs> mm-hmm. even uh, though I never paid for it. The... Uh, Forward oh, and back sweet. buttons are his uh, <laughs> souped-up gun from the end oh, of the movie. Oh, his, you mean his little friend? His little friend. Yeah. So, but we'll probably cool. use those very little. Brad, let's kick off this film explosion in 1983. Yeah, a rare Brad gets to start it uh, year. Um, so, uh, yeah, my number 10 is a movie I saw, and it was fine. Dan Aykroyd. This man is physically threatening me. And Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Are trading places. Find out. I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom. This has been a great, great mistake. It didn't look just like the dude that had me busted. It was the dukes. It was the dukes. You're a dead man, Valentine. Dan Aykroyd. Eddie Murphy. Billy Ray Valentine. Capricorn. Trading Places. Coming this summer to a theater or drive-in near you. Now. Sell 200 April 142! Yep, my number 10 was Trading Places. I watched it once and it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good one. Yeah, I think I even got to... I might have watched it twice because I think they played it in uh, 
economics class. I, <laughs> Did they really? In high school, yeah. I, I, I nearly put it on my top ten. Did they show the boobs? I think they maybe it was just part of it because yeah, I doubt they did <laughs> Maybe they showed how they do the trade stuff at the end where they're doing the whole scam on on the yeah, two brothers. I think yeah, that was definitely in it. Yeah, it's kind of like when they showed us sections of Boiler Room, but not the entire movie in our economics class. So, <laughs> and I still didn't understand it. So yeah, I almost put it on the list too, but it's like I I was I was hesitant to do it, and I was kind of wondering why. So I rewatched the movie last night, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd's in blackface in this movie." That'd be a little hard for me to like talk about this, but yeah. And did those old men not have cash? Like, was their entire finances wrapped up in stocks? Uh, they did. They had one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a great showcase for Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy too, and Jamie Lee Curtis. So it's it's a good movie. It's probably good. Uh, it's a fun movie. I recently watched it. Laura had never seen it, and so she ordered it on Amazon. And I, I, interesting because I said, "Okay, guess we can watch it." And it, it's there's some funny parts in it, but mm-hmm. I think its reputation is bigger than the movie. I think like I think the movies that followed it by Landis are are stronger in some places, but it's elegantly staged. Like I noticed, like it's very fancifully staged uh, as like from a directorial standpoint it it looks magnificent yeah yeah but yeah i like his 1981 movie more yeah fair enough (laughs) zach all right uh my number 10 is a sequel uh and it's a pretty damn good one and i do enjoy it so here it is i have a petition here signed by 743 people against norman bates release Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal I'm maniac? Ask you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Norman Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel. For my dead mother. Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. But trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. No. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I. I won't do that. You can't make me kill her. Twenty-two years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho two. It's starting again.
Yeah, my number two or my number ten, sorry, is uh, Psycho Two. Um, it takes place twenty two years after the crimes of Norman Bates um, when he was inhabited by Mother, and the ending of Psycho suggested that he was completely consumed by Mother. So the sequel supposes that he has been rehabilitated. He goes back to uh, live in the Norman Bates house, but it is now, uh, or the Norman Bates house, but it is now occupied. The motel is run by Dennis Farina. Uh, he gets a job at a diner. Um, he ha- has a crush on Meg Tilly. And then things start going awry because he starts hearing Mother's voice again. Who could it be? What 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 could be happening? Who's killing people? Um, I think it's actually one of the stronger sequels to an established classic that I've ever seen. Uh, Richard Franklin definitely understood how to direct a sequel to a movie that was never going to be topped. And I think that the story is, is super strong. It's funny because I remember being interested in psycho like at a young age and thinking that, well, Robert block wrote the book. So maybe he wrote the sequel in book form, and there was a Psycho 2 that he wrote. It's not this plot at all. It's a, it's a terrible book. Um, but uh, that just kind of, like, engaged my interest a lot. It's like, I have to see the sequels to Psycho. I need to know the mythology of Norman Bates. And surprisingly, the sequels to Psycho, in all in each case, have their strengths and end up being, I don't want to say superior to other slasher sequels, but, like, they have more thinking things going on in them. Uh, the third one, directed by Perkins, has a lot of vertigo kind of influence on it. Um, so it's it's one of those sequels that I think that people should just walk in and not ex- there. You should not expect Psycho. You should expect Psycho Two. Um, and I was actually sh- surprised to take James to see it years ago when it played at the Alamo, and he kind of walked out very entertained and very surprised that there was a strong sequel to Psycho in the world. So. Um, yeah, if you're going to go for anything psycho that's not the original, go with this and not Gus Van Sant's film. I think Psycho 4 is the best sequel to Psycho. I would agree, but this one comes like as a close second. Yeah. It's it's just super strong. 3 is unusual. It's more of a Friday the 13th. Yeah, and it's not like it's a bad movie. It's just yeah. it's it's odd. Yeah. It's a little odder. Um, and I will say that like I won't spoil the twist for people, but I think that the motivation for that twist and who's involved in pushing Norman is very is very clever mm-hmm. and it gives a certain actress a lot of things to do. So So you guys are gonna go on in your lives, you're gonna achieve some great successes. And I hope and pray you do. But no matter what the future's going to bring, there's seldom going to be a moment like tonight when you hold it all in your hands. Together! And that's how we're going to win this game! We're going to win it together! We're going to win together! Come on now! Tom Cruise is Stefan Georgievich, a kid whose dreams are bigger than the town he lives in. What are you looking for, Steph? Looking to trade football for an education and still be able to walk. I hate football. I just like to watch number 33 run around in those tight black pants. His future depends on getting out. I mean, now you can't even get a job in that damn mill. You mean that mill over there where your father works? Where your brother works? Where my brother was laid off. You too good for us or something? No, sir. I just want to go to college. But the odds are against him. Now you do it my way or it's a highway, Georgia Vick. I want to see some film on Riley, Georgievic, and Oliver. Georgievic, I can take a pass on it. 
Uh, why, yeah, the kid's real tough. No, he's got an attitude problem, sure. He's a kid, and he wants to go to college and be something. What's wrong with you, son? <laughs> now growl! You bite! You dig! And your husband's stopping you. Well, where are you going? On the bus. Now, this is the wrong bus, son. This is for players. You ride back with the cheerleaders. You know, if he leaves here, you'll probably lose him. There any quitters here? No, no sir! Didn't hear you. No, sir! You caught us the game. You quit. We didn't quit. You quit. In everyone's life, there comes a moment when you gotta make your move. Look, we're getting out of here, Brian. And fight back. For Stefan Georgievich, hey! that moment is now. Together. Together, together. Scholarship here, no scholarship there. He goes, he stays. Who gave you that power? You're just some high school football coach. This is a story of courage. Of love. Of all the right moves. Tom Cruise, all the right moves. Uh, yeah, my number 10 is All the Right Moves, starring... One Tom Cruise. I think this is a movie that really showcased his running ability because it's a football <laughs> film. Um, it, he he plays a defensive back who's a really great player, um, but he doesn't want to just go to college to play football. He wants to get an education because he lives in Pittsburgh and he doesn't want to work in the steel mills anymore. Uh, so it's kind of a drama about getting out of where you live and making your life better. Um the performances are really good. Craig T. Nelson plays his coach, who is a hard ass. And, you know, he benches him at one point because his ego's right and checks his body can't cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not a great movie, but it's fun. Um, and, yeah, it's Tom Cruise. He's really good in it. Um, it sounds like an interesting place to watch him get his start. Yeah. Well, he's, like, in three or four movies this year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Maybe his second most famous movie is not on my list uh, from this year um, because I think it's a little too hokey. But um, mm-hmm. this movie's fun and it's like a high school drama with football. Nice. Yep, that's my number ten. All, All right. the right moves. Run, Tom, run. There you go. But you're, to, to your point, he doesn't play quarterback. He he plays on defense. Yeah, I mean halfback. If he, you know, such a great runner, he should be the halfback. I know that's but, what I mean. But he can he can intercept and run it in. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but there could be an interception that takes place. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, I've never seen the movie, so yeah. I mean, it'd only be better if he turned into a werewolf. And, but you know, I haven't seen it either. But we were talking about it. It's the trailer is like basically October Sky with football. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Number nine, Brad. Uh, my number nine is a movie I've seen, and it was fine. summer when you think vacation think national lampoon's vacation see the real america hey underpants hey yellow it's friendly okay i'm okay don't you want to look at the grand canyon it's educational great and most of all it's fun on the picnic basket. Let Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quay, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. Well, are you going to go for it? 
This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Take you for a ride. <laughs> this summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoons. <laughs> vacation. Better check under the hood. Yeah, my number nine is Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation, and yeah, <laughs> it's a movie I've seen a couple times, and I, it's it's fine. It's a it is a comedy classic, very uh, mm-hmm. very well revered. I was doing some research. Uh, it shows up just a little later on my list, but like uh, I was doing some research about it, and it was based on a short story that John Hughes wrote. Yeah, <laughs> called like Road Trip Fifty Eight or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a lot of mileage out of a short story. They created a whole franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And the twist at the end is pretty, pretty creative. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I, I think, uh, the Christmas one's funnier. Mm. Um, but that one is, that one is so beloved. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but like, I, I, I find it lesser than this. Film. Yeah. But it's also like that one wasn't even on my, list for that year so mm-hmm. yeah that's because 83 has so many ringers that <laughs> <laughs> yeah zach number nine all right my number nine is not a great john carpenter movie but any john carpenter movie is worth a fun time investment and uh this is certainly the case here it is what do you mean came back i'm sorry arnie i can't i know you're jealous the kid was cut in half on it Riot is over. When I finish yet! I knew a guy had a car like that once. He killed himself in it. Yeah, my number nine is Christine. Um, I think I enjoy this film a lot just for the car stuff. Uh, the the story, the, the the base story itself, is fun to think about. Like, there's, it, it, it's an interesting coming of age story in a certain respect, and that's King's influence. But I really just enjoy the the car, like being able to like reshape and regrow and whatnot, like. It's cool little special effects stuff. It is. The movie's too hokey for me. Yeah, I can but, see that. But, I mean, it's fun. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and, I mean, Carpenter, even his shitty stuff like Ghosts of Mars, I mean, I still see, like, yeah. his influence on things. And, I mean, the, the score is cool. And I think his style is so significant that it, even the worst, it's like a, even the worst film of his, it still has something interesting to look at. Um like even the ward has stuff like that to an yeah. extent. Uh, it's I think that like the reason it's so low though is it's like it's not it, it it's 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 enough to stand out. But again, like I am kind of looking at it just for like wow the technical effort of like making oh, yeah. that car a feasible killer in the in the in this grand scheme of this film when you don't have special effects in, in the computer. Like it it's wonderful to look at. So yeah, it's a cool movie. It just it's just a little too hokey for me. Yeah, but I mean it's still. It's still fun. Like I, yeah, I would never discount it. You could pop it on at Halloween and have fun. Oh, with it. totally. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's my number nine is Christine. So I mean, I know I razzed you for a hokey movie, uh-huh. and I'm sorry that I'm going to sweep a lot of people with my number nine. Okay? Oh, sorry. Oh, gotcha. The ninja, the perfect assassin. <laughs> <laughs> 
The greatest ninja warrior vows to give up killing. My sword is sealed forever. But a ninja cannot escape his destiny. It will follow him from the gardens of Japan to the streets of America. Get those people out of here. The heroine spilled out. Damn it! He's caught in a drug war between the American mafia and the Japanese Yakuza. Are you trying to tell me there's ninjas running around there killing people in the 20th century? disciple of evil who kills for pleasure. Only a ninja can stop a ninja. Now, as the police look on helplessly, high above the streets of Los Angeles, he must fight the killer who was once a friend. Ancient Japanese warfare explodes in America. It's the ultimate martial arts adventure. No one can survive. The Revenge of the Ninja. Revenge of the Ninja, a Golan Globus production from the canon. So yeah, my number uh, nine is Revenge of the Ninja. You took a minute to get back to your mic there. You're just trembling from the I excitement. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a really cheesy pre-canon canon film. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course there's like over-the-top violence nudity um random cussing so the the premise is it's it first starts off in japan and this family is murdered by oh slow down egghead (laughs) (laughs) by ninjas and then they the son moves to america and opens up a doll place and then there's heroin inside the doll so they're moving heroin through these dolls but it's a double cross so he doesn't know but then when he finds out, oh man, it's all hell breaks loose. But it's that like cheesy 1980s ninja movie stuff where it's, it's like fun. Like there's no redeeming cinematic quality to it. It's just, it's literally a movie where ninjas attack each other and it's like ninja fights. Yeah. Yeah, just from the trailer alone, I wish I had watched it because it probably would have ended up on my, my list too. Well, you, you probably pitched it the same way they pitched it to Golan and Globus, and that's why it got approved. <laughs> and the only reason I've seen it is it's a Kino Lorber uh, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and every year I forget where when they have it, but they have Blu-rays for like five bucks. Mm-hmm. So I buy like seven of them, and that's and, one. Of and them. that was one of them because <laughs> I just and. Kino Lorber 2 on their sales, their sales page, I don't like how they're laid out. Mm-hmm. So you literally have to go through tons of pages. And then I have to remember which ones I want because, like, their, their shopping cart sucks. Mm-hmm. And I love the company. I'm not knocking the company. Oh, yeah. No, it's just their website yeah. interface is a little weird. So, yeah. So I, when I saw the cover for it, I was like, fuck, yeah, for $7.99. <laughs> um, yep. Revenge of the Ninja. Probably the height of 1983 ninja cinema. Mm-hmm. Of all the ninja movies, this was the one. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's part of like a... I think there's more than one, if is I it, remember Isn't right. Ninja 3 part of this whole concept? I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, Ninja 3, the domination is awesome. Yeah. 
It's a weird ninja movie with exorcism. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what was on one of my film explosion lists. It's one of my sure. favorite gifts Ryan's ever given me because I think you upgraded and I'm just uh, like, I did. I got the collector's edition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Brad, number eight. <laughs> uh, my number eight is a movie I've seen and it was fine. Dirty Harry is at it again in sudden impact. What you doing, you pig-head sucker? You boys, put those guns down. Say what? We're not just gonna let you walk out of here. Who's we, sucker? Smith, Wesson, and me. Go ahead. Make my day. Eastwood, Dirty Harry, Sudden Impact. So my number eight is Sudden Impact, a movie I've seen once and don't remember anything that happens in it. <laughs> you don't remember the most famous line ever? Well, because I, I, I watched the trailer, I do, but no. I thought that was recycled from the previous movie because this, this is the third one, right? This is the fourth one. Fourth, was it the fourth one? This Holy is the fourth shit. one, yeah. I don't know Clint Eastwood very yeah, well. Yeah, Sturdy Harry, Maximum Force, something, and then... It's Magnum Force, uh, The Enforcer. The Enforcer. And then Sudden Impact, and the then The Deadpool. Deadpool is the last one. Yeah. The yeah. prequel to Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is actually a very strong Dirty Harry movie, and I... I, it's just I have a I have trouble sussing out the Dirty Harry movies in a list form nowadays, but it's the strongest one in terms of a story that isn't the first one, uh, and it does like give you a counterpoint to Harry because like at this point the films are trying to go into like the idea of Harry's justice versus Law and Order, and this one in particular deals with a woman who's been who's who's been assaulted and her sister is is gone at this point she takes revenge and uh harry meanwhile is trying to investigate it and it's he's kind of like on his own uh and so like it becomes dour very quick so it's not if you can call the dirty harry movies fun it's not a it's not the funnest of the movies. Yeah, it's, it is. He shoot he shoots dudes and they fly through windows and <laughs> animated windows too. And he, to and the he says like cool one liners. And the criminals watch him pull out the gun yeah. from his pocket, even though they've already got a gun trained on him. Yeah. and they mm-hmm. allow you, themselves you, to get you shot, wait, bro. Yeah, no, yeah, you wait for Clint Eastwood to draw. <laughs> um, I'll never forget the scene where he shoots a chair. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, sorry, didn't mean to take your thunder there. Just no, I had nothing else to say about this movie <laughs> that I don't remember. Yeah, no. <laughs> Also, I don't like the way Reagan appropriated that line and turned it into his own little political rally cry. <laughs> Zach, number eight. All right. Uh, my number eight is a movie by the late, great Carl Reiner. He 
he's a world-famous brain surgeon. The only time we doctors should accept death is when it's caused by our own incompetence. Ten blade scalpel, cuts and bomb scissors. Cuts and bomb scissors. Who wants only one thing in a woman? Let's cat out of here. The perfect mind in the perfect body. Steve Martin's out of control in The Man with Two Brains. He's not close. He's dead. Dead? My God, I better get her to a cemetery right away. Ten? <clears throat> Jumpy? Six weeks and you haven't made love to your wife yet? Into the mud, scum queen! Oh, you have no hair. Oh, sorry. Today, kissing your brain. As far as I'm concerned, you're the most complete woman I've ever known. All my life, I wanted women with great bodies. <laughs> Had the top of her head off, but that's as far as it went. Don't touch that! Steve Martin, the man with two brains. You'll laugh your cranium off. Yeah. So yeah, my number eight is uh, The Man with Two Brains. Uh, it's not the greatest Carl Reiner movie, but my parents got this on DVD for me for some reason. I don't know why, because it's R-rated. Uh, <laughs> and it's certainly not, from a technical standpoint, it is not for children. Uh, but uh, it's about a brain surgeon who, he falls into a uh, relationship and marriage with a gold digger played by Kathleen Turner. And he's de he's denied sex left and right, left and right. And one of the funniest parts of the movie is actually watching him like pent up and just like getting frustrated at his job of being a screw top brain surgeon because Kathleen Turner is withholding. And it's so like every marriage. <laughs> and Am so I right, guys? Whoa. <laughs> uh, but th but then he starts falling in love with this with this other brain, and so part of the gag becomes getting her that disembodied brain into Kathleen Turner's body. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty funny in the grand scheme of like we're never gonna do a '70s film explosion I don't think because I feel like the list would be too barren. But like this is the best way I can honor like the jerk and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid again is like talking is it about jerk this film. '70s. Yeah, it is '79. So like oh. we'd have to do a '79 film explosion in order to do it. Um, but like I like Carl Reiner and Steve Martin when they work together, and this is this is certainly not the best of their efforts, but it is incredibly enjoyable. Um, Say they have similar sense of humors. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. And like, and I like looking at Carl Reiner juxtaposed with Mel Brooks because like B Brooks is even wilder and wackier and out there. For some reason, Reiner is a little bit more grounded. Like I don't know exactly what the exact tone of his, how you describe it, like intelligently, but like it just seems like he's wacky, but it's also grounded in some form of reality. Whereas Brooks, yeah, I would just... always compare it to like Dick Van Dyke and Get Smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where Dick Van Dyke has some zany stuff, but it's it's measured. Me yeah, yeah. Whereas Get, Get Smart is... is Mel Brooks being silly. Yeah, exactly. So, but um, yeah, I, I would recommend it if people haven't heard of the film. If they only know the jerk for Steve Martin and Carl Reiner together, this is a good one to look up. It's it's I think it's on HBO Max now, so I would definitely seek it out if you get a chance. Uh, my number eight is a childhood favorite, and it's pretty funny, eh? Somewhere behind granite battlements, beyond impenetrable gates, indoors, 
Something evil is brewing. And it isn't Elsinore beer. Here, an unsuspecting heiress has become the innocent pawn of a diabolical genius. At his command, space-age super lasers that can incinerate an entire metropolis. An army of deadly hockey warriors. At his fingertips, lots of beer. Just one more test, and then we are ready for the world. What fool dares stand in his way? Good day, I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Welcome to our movie, eh? At last, television's Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis have just hit the great white screen. These are the adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Strange Brew. That's private company business. Perhaps one of these would refresh your memory, eh? The gallant champions of truth. He's lying, all right. I don't need no machine to tell me that, eh? I didn't do it, I swear. It must be them. Justice. I think it's time the little lady and I had a chat. And the pursuit of bad guys. We will move towards Oktoberfester's plan. I can't believe it! He drank it all! Oh, no! And I will not underestimate our little friends again. With Max Fonsido. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Paul Dooley. You murdered him first! And he was already dead when I killed him! Lynn Griffin. I didn't have puke breath. I'd kiss you. And an all-star cast. Take off, you <laughs> You take off, you nut. <laughs> okay! Don't miss the biggest, the grandest, the first Mackenzie Brothers movie of all time. The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie. I'd like to thank the Academy. That's it. We're leaving, kids. Strange Brew. You hoser, they wanted to see our movie, now they're mad at them. Hey, cop, it's only a preview, eh? I didn't want to show them the best part. Okay, so that's our topic for today. So, good day. Uh, so Brad and I are teaming up for Strange Brew. I didn't know there was a whole other like title to it. The Adventures of Bob yeah, and they, Doug McKenzie. I think they leave that off the box, but yeah, it's on the trailer. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie about two brothers who drink beer. Canadian. Yeah, it's very Canadian. And they... Filthy, filthy Canadian. <laughs> they go to the Elsinore Brewery to get money because they find a mouse in their one of their beer bottles, but it's alive because they put it in there. <laughs> and it's just silly as crazy. I, my brothers and I loved it. Uh, because that dog in there, we always would say the line, "Give him jelly. He likes jelly." Because they're feeding the dog donuts. And it's... were you uh, were you huge uh, SCTV fans growing up? No, or... no. I think we got it because my dad likes beer and he liked the movie. Uh, okay. So we used to have this mom and pop video store that was down the street from uh, my dad's house, mm-hmm. and he, he would always say, "Don't tell your mom." Um, he would say we could rent anything so we could get rated R. So we, that's how we saw Predator, Predator 2. Right. And, you know, Strange Brew and stuff. I think Strange Brew is PG, though, but, um, mm-hmm. that's how we saw it. I mean, it's everything that's Canadian. They say A, Hoser, um, a, a take off, take off. They have a evil hockey team. <laughs> it's really bizarre, but it's funny. I saw, I saw it once a long time ago. I don't, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, 
I just I'm not a huge SCTV guy, I guess. So, Brad, did you see it one time and it, <laughs> it's okay? Yeah, my friend Jason. It was one of his favorite movies. He lent it to me. I watched it once and I enjoyed it, but that was like I don't know thirty years ago now. So but yeah, even in the trailer, like you know the dog flying and stuff. It's mm-hmm. I know it's I, so bizarre. I've been meaning to revisit it because um, I want to see if I appreciate it more since then. I kind of want to do the same now because I forgot about the dog. So well, that and you know. At, you saw a little clip of it where Rick Moranis drinks so much beer so he can piss out a fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big cartoon. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's funny, though. And they bring in, you know, the cutting-edge video games of the time are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Max von Sydow, too. Yeah. Man. Jeez. You know. <laughs> the hills are alive with music. <laughs> Zach? Number seven. My number seven has real nerds connective tissue, and uh, also it's just insane. Here it is. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Mama, revolve. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! Oh my god! Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. Not the greatest film ever made, but a damn f- interesting and fun horror movie. Um, uh, the the Jonathan Tiersten connection for real nerds is obviously like a, a, a reason why it's fun to revisit. But also the twist of this movie is fucking insane. Uh, and uh, I think it holds up with, with amid the slasher canon and whatnot. I don't think the sequels do as much, but because um, I think it's kind of hard to top what this film achieves somehow. Um, so yeah, not my favorite film from this year, but a fun one. So it needed to come on here. So, yep. I know. I know it's higher I'm sorry, but it's okay. I wanted to get it on there and I was like, need to do this. So anyway, uh, did you know that the percentage of roundhouse kicks since 1940 is 13,000%? deaths that's how many people that's a real statistic that's a real statistic i believe you i know and i think this film is one of the reasons why when you're the best you do things with style jj mcquade is the best he's a lone wolf lawman in the lone star state your record is unrivaled but my kind of ranger is a model citizen, pillar in the community, goes to church, he lives clean. He's got a loving wife and kids. Your lone wolf attitude is gonna change. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. 
But even the best can't always do it alone. Something to remember you by. Ranger, meet your new partner. It's going to be an honor working with you, Ranger McQuaid. I think you know Agent Jackson. Looks like somebody doesn't like you, McQuaid. I'll make a few enemies here and there. Yeah, so do I. So now the wolf has a wolf pack. Final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy. Uh, my number seven is Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris. As a lone wolf Texas Ranger who takes on the drug cartel. And this is actually, I'm pretty sure this influenced John Wick because he had a dog. And in the movie, the bad guys kill his dog. And then he goes fucking crazy. Mm. He also has this badass truck. So he, he tries to stop the guys, but they capture him. So that part you saw in the trailer where he rips off his badge, they bury him in his truck. He's going to die, but pff, fuck no. He turns on the turbos. Bust right out. <laughs> it's like the movies like this are, and missing in action and other things with Chuck Norris is why there's all those silly, you know, a snake bit Chuck Norris and three days later the snake died. Yeah. Um, because it's literally, I mean, the trailer opens with, if you want the best, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's literally like the silliest fucking shit. But I always have a soft spot in my heart for 80s action films like this mm -hmm. where there's just one like macho dude. Who goes against an army of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's like the opening of the movie where he's standing on top of that rock and they're trying to shoot him and they just miss. And then he has, you know, his gun. And he just starts killing them. <laughs> they can't shoot him. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Nice. Um, and I the Blu-ray came out last year by, I think, a Scorpion releasing. It's a pretty good Blu-ray. <laughs> Check it out. Sweet. If I wasn't so far behind on articles, I would have it in my top blu-rays of last year because movies like that need to be on blu-ray agreed i don't want to see them disappear i want to see i want to see people just be randomly killed by law enforcement <laughs> that's, like, that's like what we need and according to that trailer you want to watch david carradine kick the shit out of uh, chuck norris in that sweater yeah so you wear argyle sweaters in the <laughs> in the new in you, the texas heat do you think bill would have succeeded in kill bill if he wore an argyle sweater fucking hey <laughs> You heard it here. This police officer is endorsing vigilante justice. <laughs> uh, in, 19, in 1983, when there's drug cartels running crazy. His preferred of justice, vigilante justice. As long as you're shirtless and shooting at things. We call the laws that, are holding me back. We, we call it Frank Castle style. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> That's so a check to see joke. if Ryan has any Punisher stickers on his car now. <laughs> oh, shit. No. Never. Get out of my house, please. Never. Uh, my number six is a movie I've seen, and it was fun. In this modern age, perfect. Too many people have lost sight 
of the true meaning of Christmas. Mom! Hush! Shut up, Ralphie! So now, in the spirit of the original... I made you! Stop! Traditional... American Christmas. Thanks a lot! MGM presents... A Christmas Story. Santa's beard. And unwraps the secrets. Did I get a tie this year? Of the original, traditional. He looks like a deranged Easter bunny. 100% two-fisted, red-blooded. It's smiling at me. All American Christmas. A Christmas story. So my number six is A Christmas Story, which is a fine Christmas movie. Um, it's just been kind of... a better one this year. It's been uh, you know permeated in pop culture so much that, uh, you know, it's not really... It has. It's taken like a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the quintessential Christmas movie. And so, yeah, it just, it just feels less special because, you know, people love it so much every year. Um, but yeah, um, it's still fine. Um, it's a sweet story. Um, but I haven't watched it that much. Yeah, I, you know, growing up is another one my brothers and I watched all the time. And then, like, it's a fun movie, but I, I don't know. I think I mean, we were talking during the trailer that TNT kind of where they show up for 24 straight hours and they ran it into the ground yeah, a little and, bit. I mean, I know people who adore the film. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. I'm one of them. We'll talk about it later. But. Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I like a Christmas movie more this year. Mm. In fact, it's my number two movie. Spoiler alert. Stay tuned. Zach, number six. All right. My number six is a remake of one of my favorite films of all time, and it somehow manages to be just as good. Um, not better, but just as fine as the original. Really? We'll talk about it. But here it is. almost every country in Europe. And I still can't get a table at my favorite restaurant. Poland, 1939. German troops are massed at the border, waiting to invade. But meanwhile, at the Bronski Theater, Frederick and Anna Bronski are singing the number one hit of Warsaw. Ja, 
Then, suddenly, Germany invades Poland. And nothing stands in their way, except a bunch of Polish hams, led by the greatest actor in Poland, Frederick Bronski. To be... or not to be. He's married to the most beautiful actress in all of Poland. Ah, Mrs. Bronski, Mrs. Bronski, Mrs. Bronski. We're all here. The radiant and faithful Anna Bronski. Freddy. Good luck. Listen, if I don't come back alive, I forgive you for whatever happened between you and Lieutenant Sabinski. But if I do come back, you're in a lot of trouble. And he's suspected of being a spy. Yeah. By Colonel Earhart, head of the Gestapo. Well, it looks bad for me, doesn't it? It doesn't look good. You can murder a man, kill him in cold blood, but you can't kiss me. Will Frederick Bronski and the Bronski theatrical troupe escape the clutches of the dreaded SS? Arrest him, arrest him, arrest him! Then shoot him and interrogate him! And get out of Poland alive? Hurry, 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 get into that plane! Find out when you see To Be or Not To Be. Starring Mel Brooks. Hello. And Bancroft. True love should never stand in the way of a good time. Tim Matheson. Oh, gee, thanks a lot. Charles Durning. Can I offer you a cigarette? No, Cigar? Oh, no. Chocolate-covered nougats? Chocolate-covered what? Nougats. And Jose Ferrer. Hurry back. You're drooling. So whatever you do, folks, don't leave home unless you're coming to see To Be or Not To Be. That is the movie. He'll be waiting for you. So, yeah, my number six is To Be or Not To Be. Um, the, the original... Uh, is one of my top five films of all time for many obvious reasons. I think that this film is is just as strong as the uh, as the original for its own reasons. I think the biggest part of it is is that what they lose in Lubitsch's com- combination of suspense and comedy, they make up for with the Mel Brooks version of what this this film would be. It's allowed to be a little bit more broad and. As a result of it being made in the 80s, it's allowed to talk about other subjects uh, during the Holocaust that were coming to light at this point. Um, This is the first film in history that I'm at least aware of that addresses the persecution of homosexuals during the Holocaust. It happens in this movie, and it's it's actually the way they start addressing it in the movie is it starts off as a very tragic scene, and then it becomes extremely funny because of the way the character is interacting with the material. And I know that sounds like crazy, but you just, it's a Mel Brooks movie like that. He didn't direct, but he has all his fingerprints all over it. You just kind of watch the way the scene unfolds where he kind of blends drama and comedy. And there's actually black and white footage in this film that 
starkly it looks it almost looks like what Schindler's List would end up looking like 10 years later from an aesthetic standpoint. So for for all that it loses as a remake to a superior film, it makes up for it with its own identity and style. Um and I think that this cast is just terrific. I mean C- Christopher Lloyd's in this as Schultz and uh, Charles Durning as Concentration Camp Bearheart is is a fantastic performance. Mel is good as um, the the Jack Benny character, but you have to recognize that you're not getting that same performance. And once you accept that Mel's doing the the role, you're fine. You can bl- totally believe him as the most hammiest actor in all of Poland. So, but yeah, it's it's a good solid remake. If you can find it, I would definitely seek it out. Um, and it's actually funny, like the broadness of this, I think, is uh, a, 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 a a step up into where you can do something like Jojo Rabbit. I think because of how broad it is with its Nazi humor, I think it paves the way for something like Jojo Rabbit to seem like less out of left field. So, Yeah, I think this one's okay. I mean, I saw this before I saw the original. Yeah. And, I mean, you turned me on the original. It's brilliant because yeah. I became hopelessly devoted to carol lombard mm-hmm. i just adore her so much yeah and again like nothing's going to top that original film on an overall scale i think this does an admirable job i think Anne bancroft kills it in this movie too i think it's it's rare you get to see her do comedy yeah. so it's like really it's quite a treat and one of my favorite film sequences in mel brooks history is them singing sweet georgie brown in polish uh it's just a very cute cute scene so um, my number six is, let me make sure I'm, I have my list right. <laughs> I mean, you'd think I'd have it memorized. Uh, yeah, my number six is actually a really, really great movie. It really is. If it wasn't so long, it probably would be higher on my list. You can't put To Be or Not To Be from 1942 <laughs> on the list. This is only like an hour and 40 minutes. This one's like three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> on October 14th, 1947. Captain Charles Yeager shattered the sound barrier. Propelled man into the future. And the search began for a new breed of men. Men who were fearless. You've heard about our project. Sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous. Count me in. I got a rocket in my pocket and a roll in my wall. Ambitious. Who's the best pilot you ever saw? You're looking at it, baby. Patriotic beyond question. I just thank God I live in a country where the best and the finest in a man can be brought out. My pleasure to introduce to you America's Mercury Seven men who would risk their lives in a hurtling piece of machinery cross the threshold of space. It takes a special kind of man to volunteer for a suicide mission, especially once on TV. You know, the government spends just all kinds of time and money teaching you pilots how to be fearless. They don't spend a damn penny teaching you how to be the fearless wife of a test pilot. They were idolized by the public. Hi, which one are you? Shepard. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Well, which one's Glenn? He's the one I want to meet. Heralded by the media. Uh, gentlemen, can you tell us if any of you go to church regularly? As far as church goes, I attend regularly. But behind the image 
They were human beings. Human beings with real fears. If anybody goes up in the damn thing, it's gonna be spam in a can. Frustrations. What happened? He blew the hatch! I did not do anything wrong! The hatch just blew! It was a glitch! It was a, a technical malfunction! Conflicts. You're gonna think of the broader interests of this program. You are way out of line here! I'm out of line! Yes, sir! I'm running this show here! We'll see about that! Disappointments. Aren't we going to the White House, Gus? Nah. No ticker tape parade in New York? And no Jackie? Pressures. There's another hold from NASA, another delay. What can be going through a man's mind at this moment? Gordo, I have to urinate. No. Tell him he cannot. Uh, say, listen, old buddy. Uh, they promise we'll stop at the next gas station. They request that you remain in a holding pattern till then. This is the story of the special few at the very top. The elite brotherhood whose achievements inspired a nation and captured the imagination of the world. These are the men who had the right stuff. They all want to see Buck Rogers, and that's us. My number six is The Right Stuff, which chronicles the Mercury program at NASA. And what's great about the space program, and I know James isn't here, but um, is it is very compelling and it lends itself to drama because of what they're doing and what they had to endure to go to space. And this film really does capture it. It has a great cast. And like I said before it started, it would be higher on my list if it wasn't so damn long. And not that it's necessarily bad, but if a movie is over three hours long and it feels like it's over three hours long, it sucks. We get it. You don't like The Irishman. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that will joking. never be on a list. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's still really good. And like I said, the space program unto itself lends to drama. Mm-hmm. And when you dramatize it, it makes it really entertaining to watch on film probably not entertaining to go through if you're actually part of the mercury program but i commend those men for making the sacrifice so i can watch a movie and be like man that looks really hard whilst i eat my popcorn <clears throat> and that's my number six the right stuff oh 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 rio the white stuff in the middle the white stuff all right, my number five is a movie I've seen, and it's fine. Tired of questioning your own existence? Not much happening at the moment, is there? Now, in a special limited offer... Don't stand there, Corbin! Oh, you've never seen the undercut before! The meaning of life can be yours. Yes, it's all here. In a new, unabridged translation by Monty Python. I mean, what's it all about? Philosophy! Oh, that sounds wonderful. Is that a sport? No, it's more of an attempt to uh, construct a viable hypothesis to uh, explain the meaning of life. Including why you were born. And what are you doing this morning? It's a birth. Wonderful what you can do nowadays. What do I do? Nothing, dear. You're not qualified. Why things don't always work out. The mill's closed. 
We're destitute. I've got no option but to sell you all for scientific experiments. What dreams mean? Wouldn't you like to know? Makes you sick, doesn't it? Why people who don't speak your language want to hurt you. Why you like sex. Sex, sex, sex. Where were we? How to talk to waiters. Ah, good afternoon, sir. And how are we today? Better. Better? Better get a bucket or a throw up. Where diseases come from. Hello, uh, can we have your liver? Fat? You know, it's, uh, it's reddish brown. It's sort of, uh... Yeah, yeah, I know what it is, but I'm using it. And why we've all got to go sometime. This is Mr. Death. I am the Grim Reaper. Well, that's cast rather a gloom over the evening, hasn't it? They haven't said much about the meaning of life so far, have they? Don't let the meaning of life why are we pass you by. You ever wanted to know what it's all about? Oh, he's got really weird. Let Monty Python oh, explain it all for you. In the film that proves once and for all that there is death after life. Shall we take our cars? Why not? Yes, why not? The meaning of life. Is there a heaven and hell? Do we yeah, my number four is Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, and I could totally be mixing up with Life of Brian. I don't know. I've only seen it once. Um, I remember it being fun, and yeah, my number four, or 1983. Your, is it your number five or number four? We're on four, right? Yeah. But I, oh, yeah, it's I, five. Cause, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't do my number five yet. So Sorry, okay. my no, number okay. five is Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. I mean, that's your fault. You make this uh, you know, menu, and you could have like... So it doesn't go immediately to the next number. Yeah, not so easy to host a podcast, is it? No, no. no. I'm going to give up mine. <laughs> it's a lot harder to make a fucking DVD. <laughs> Guys, stop fighting each other, please. Um, yeah. I don't remember a lot from it, so I can't really talk about it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've said it before. I'm not a fan of Monty Python. Well, that sucks Yeah, for no. you. It's okay. We'll talk about it later. Not even Holy Grail? Um, it's okay. Life of Brian? Really? Just, it just never, like, they never connected with me. That's fine. It's not for everybody. You think I would like it, but I just don't. Yeah. It could be worth a reevaluation for you. I don't know. Like, I, it's like the, if you watch the TV show and what they get away with, it's like I, I feel like you'd have more fun with it now than maybe when you were younger. Oh, I'll always check it out again. Yeah. I, I heard them say they specifically made their humor for british people so yeah it's just happenstance that Amer- americans enjoyed it too yeah mm. yeah zach your number five my number five is a repeat it's a christmas story um yeah this is this is too much of a family favorite to not put on the list i had to i had to knock something else out of there because i was just like i can't not talk about this um my dad showed this to us when we were younger and it it worked on so many levels. The uh, when I watch it, if I watch it now as an, an adult, uh, and being into golden age Hollywood like I am, like this is a this is a prime movie that discusses life in the forties in a pretty honest way, more or less. Like because it's coming from a memoir 
uh, that gets translated by Bob Clark. And um, I, I feel like it just nails that kind of like childhood story remembering of your parents from a different era where like putting soap in your mouth if you're using foul language or the whole you'll shoot your eye out bit um uh the whole decoder ring bit is my favorite in the entire movie because it's like it's just a commercial um so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun the reason it's this low though is like i i don't go back to it as often as i did when we were younger because there's other Christmas movies that have captured my imagination, but this one will always stand as a fond memory. Also, the 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 Chinese restaurant bit doesn't work at all anymore, and uh, and probably never did to begin with. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a fun movie. I, I think it was hilarious in the '40s. <laughs> it was hilarious in the '40s, but it was never hilarious by concept period. <laughs> but anyway. those restaurant owners probably ended up in a concentration camp. <laughs> That's uh, a, internment camp. <laughs> Thank you. That's a that's yeah yeah uh, yeah. Anywho, uh, the movie though is still worth watching. Um, I'd love to, I, I want to catch that that sequel that they put out with um, uh, Peter Billingsley back in the role because that would be interesting to watch. But I think there's actually two sequels. Well, there's another one that's not with it, the the new one that just came out is a more direct like it's supposed to be the follow up like the legitimate follow ups. So. Is it a Christmas story to the rise of Ralphie? It, it's <laughs> called a awesome. Christmas story story, or a Christmas story Christmas is what it's called. So, yeah, um, but they got like virtually everybody back, like even um, uh, Scott Farkas, the uh, the actual Scott Farkas. I was just making fun of sequel titles oh, and gotcha. how lazy they are. Yeah, no. That one is about as lazy as it can get, but it's still interesting. Anywho, yeah, Christmas Story. Check it out. I'm sure you have already, but do it again. <laughs> uh, my number five is also a repeat because we have a fucking asshole in this goddamn podcast. It's like, eh, I've seen it. <laughs> no, it's Brad. My oh. number five is Vacation. Oh. Um, just a silly movie. Uh, you know. Yep, it's just silly, and it's fun. It's wow, what, sounds like you love it. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, there's not a lot of movies in 1983 I love, um, but I but it's fun. It is a movie I will put on every once in a while just to watch because you can enjoy it. Yeah, and that's and and there are some really funny parts, you know, and in early 80s comedies definitely won't be made anymore. Um, no, you know no. with. You know, dead grandma on the car and holding security guards from a theme park hostage <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, if it was John Candy, though, I probably would do it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's just it's fun. It, I, you know, I think sometimes the it's hard as you go through life and time passes. And it's hard for me because, like, Chevy Chase is really good in the film. But he has such an asshole. In but he life, just yeah. has like this aura about him now and he goes oh man mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a bummer um i mean it's not as bad as i mean he's just a jerk it's not like he's harvey weinstein but no he's just an asshole but he's always been that way i know and yeah. it, i mean you could read the saturday night live book and go oh mm-hmm. wow oh yeah all right um so yeah but it's still fun and um yeah it's a silly movie that i enjoy brad number four all right my number four is not a great movie but it's one I would like. I'm quicker to rewatching than the others below this list. 
When it's time for adventure, it's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. This time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. <laughs> he's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius. Let me tell you something. I can't ski! But then he falls. <laughs> for a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. Well, what would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful. Baby! It's daddy! It can control the earth. Getting down to business. Change the weather. Now something. You're a genius. And reprogram Superman. Thought you'd never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore. Huh? He didn't die. I ask you to kill Superman, and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing. Ah. All right, Webster, the game's over. But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman. Oh, uh, see, I'm not with them, Superman. You could have fooled me, mister. Can pull the plug on Super Machine. You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Um, no. Thank you, brother. Superman 3. Uh, watch the trees. Whoa! This time is going to be the best time of all. Uh, yeah, my number four is Superman 3, and it's dumb um, and misguided. Um, I mean, the trailer alone is... Like, look at Richard Pryor, and it's a Superman movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally selling. Like, clearly, the Richard Pryor specials are popular right now, <laughs> yeah. and the all kinds are like, we need to put that guy in the movie. And uh, yeah, without Richard Donner at the helm, they definitely wanted to make it more of a cartoon mm-hmm. um, franchise. And uh, yeah, you don't really get to see that Superman fights evil Superman in this movie, in addition to Richard Pryor and... Uh, uh, knock off Lex Luthor, whoever Robert Vaughn's playing. I don't remember his <laughs> character's name, but Dex Duther. Yes. Um, but again, it's like still odd enough that I, I would probably like reach off the shelf. You know, and, honestly, I've seen it once. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't watch this again. I don't. Yeah. I think I might have seen it twice, but I will see it again because there's this really sweet steel book set yeah. coming out that if you didn't pre-order on Amazon, you won't get it because they, it's already sold out. So yeah, but you can uh, get the, uh, the regular 4K. You can get the set. regular 4K, um, but not the sweet, like, original poster art steelbook. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Um, 
yeah, when that comes out, I'll definitely be seeing it again. But yeah, yeah. it's again, it's, it's 1983, and this, <laughs> this is one of the more appealing options on the list. That's all we'll say. It's 1983. Zach, number four. My number four is a film that probably wouldn't have been on this list ten years ago, but um, I revisited it in a, a, like a year or two back, and uh, it's it stuck with me in a way that it didn't the first time. Uh, it's a fucked up body horror movie by David Cronenberg, and here it is. Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. Yeah, my uh, my number four is video drum. Uh, it's a it's a it's a very solid a little piece of sci-fi that um, has a has a good a, a good thread of thematic tissue in regards to how we consume media, our addiction to it, and how we get over consumed by certain elements of the media we consume as well as the technology itself. And um, from a visual effects standpoint, watching David Cronenberg work is always very interesting. Whether you can stomach it or not is entirely up to your comfort zone. Um, it's, uh, I think it's the only reason it's as low as it is, is that I just can't stand James Woods these days. <laughs> um, and so, but I, but rewatching the film, like he goes through hell. So it is kind of just like, Oh cool. He gets tortured. He's one of those guys. Like I, I, He's just whatever, but he makes cool movies. He he has and been he, a good again. Movie, he's not yeah. like Harvey Weinstein. So. He's he's just an asshole. But like he is, it's similar to Chevy Chase in that respect. Mm-hmm. It's like he's just an asshole. Um, but also like I, I I've I've grown to appreciate Cronenberg the older I've gotten. Um, like The Fly, notwithstanding, like I was never like super into his films, and now mm-hmm. that I'm older, I'm just like oh, these are these are really solid pieces of sci-fi that have a. That was one of my favorite lines ever in a Friday Thirteenth movie. Mm-hmm. 
I want them soft. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's the cerebral quality of it. I still haven't seen Crimes of the Future, the new one he just put out. My cousin like, say you should see it. Well, say told me I should see it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I would recommend it if people can stomach it. Like it's not for everybody. Like his like cro- all his movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I the fly is the only one where I can be like. I think you can be fine with this. That's pretty gruesome, though, too. Yeah, but it's like in comparison to everything else, because even his history. dramas like A History of Violence and Eastern Promises are extremely... A history of Violence is badass, though. Yeah, it is, but it's it's also like it's a different form of brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But yeah, if you can if you could stomach it and James Woods' face, then yeah, check out Videodrome. Uh, my number four is a repeat. It's Sleepaway Camp. Um Probably Jonathan Tiersen's second best performance. If you want to see his best, you can log on to Real Nerds Podcast YouTube channel and uh, watch uh, Jonathan Tiersen's Human Barbecue, <laughs> which I uh, developed the story for and delivered a hell of a performance to. Um, but it's just – I always say it's if John Waters made a slasher film. Mm-hmm. I mean he did make Serial Moms. I guess but did. more like a traditional yeah, slasher movie. because there's yeah. a really bizarre quality to it that I it's hard for me to put my finger on. Um, the characters are a little outlandish, um, but it, it's still fun. And even if you look past, I mean, everyone remembers it for the ending, mm-hmm. but even the setup is really interesting. And just because all the characters in are so over the top. Yeah. Um, the mom, the mom in yeah. the beginning. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Everything's just goofy. Yeah. Um, it, it just, because the film is so bizarre um, like I literally just wrote about it too on my 150 favorite films. It's not in all my films, all my favorite films, all my film explosions. Like we always say this, it's not because they're like critical darlings or mm-hmm. it's what I like. And sometimes I just like weird shit, and I don't know why. Um, I just do. It's almost like a slasher film that had a lot of soap opera crammed into it because all the beats feel like a soap opera at times. Yeah. And I mean, there's also a lot of homophobia in it. um, Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, on purpose, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've done enough interviews with Jonathan that it was definitely what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Not not to um, marginalize the community, but to show what how people treated them they're they're because, exposing homophobia yeah because the big yeah. the big premise is is that angela is exposed to her father involved in a gay relationship which traumatizes her mm-hmm. because of the, the the death at the beginning of the film right um and then how when you don't let someone be who they are how it can wreck havoc on their mental well-being yeah and i think in that regard it's a way ahead of its time but also it's not told in the most caring and um it's, proper way but it, if you if you yeah. strip all of that and you look at what the story they're trying to tell is even 40 years ago is it's a community of people that are marginalized for no reason mm-hmm. and um and it, obviously it's an extreme of what happens when you treat someone just because they're different um, a certain way, but um, it's definitely of its time, but it's also ahead of its time yeah. in a similar fashion. You need to embrace yeah. people for who they are. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different, and that's what makes people great. I don't want everybody to be like me, except like Spider Man as much as I do. But right, yeah, I mean, but in all seriousness, I want everybody to be who they are and not have to suffer, right? Like they do in this film. Yeah. 
And in a sense, with it being like this kind of time capsule, like it does give you insight into the way that kind of material would be approached, and you can watch the evolutionary, the yeah. the building blocks, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brad, number three. My number three is Sleepaway Camp. Oh, really? Uh, nice. nice. Mostly just because of its history with this podcast. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's nice. I, I guess we can tell this. I, I wrote a little bit about it. You know, at the Mile High Horror, we were just a bunch of goofballs where people were eating our candy. And Jonathan kind of came over and introduced us to not only him and sat down and was really generous with his time, but we also met Jeffrey Reddick, who is the writer and creator of Final Destination and a bunch of other things that uh, he kind of introduced us to. And now we're part of this group that he's a part of. And he's always been very generous with the time. I always tell the story about how we didn't pay him to be in our short. And we were up at his house. Not only did he memorize a script, he added lines and cooked us lunch. So it was a good day. Mm-hmm. And the script was really good. I mean, <laughs> if I had to pick a script out of all of them. Sh- it's pretty wild that we got away with that. Oh, yeah. my God. Like- <laughs> well, because, too, cause remember when we were there and <laughs> I told him, said, hey, Jonathan, will you write a song for us right now? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, having to have, you know, we were running out of time and we still had to do that, you know, shot where the knife goes into his yeah. chin. And, I had, like, I felt bad saying, like, no, we got to do it again. It didn't look right. Do it again. And, like. Not having proper, this is just the three of us there. We have no grips. Yeah. Um. And yeah, trying to get this like knife gag to work, and here I'm like this professional, <laughs> ordering this professional actor around, like <laughs> busting up his knees on his hardwood floors. But it's a testament to him too because he did it. And he, how many times did we do that shot? Six, seven times. Yeah, and it just worked really well. And then when we were done, I told Brad because I'm such a creative force that, <laughs> um, at the end we should do all these like classic horror shots of uh that you did really well of the swing swinging with no one there and the door slowly opening and then jonathan waking up at the end that was not in the original script mm-hmm. um and i just thought of it there because he had that swing in his front yard and um and that he's not like yeah get the fuck out of my house you've already been here for hours yeah but i always remember too his wife was so nice like, do you guys need more time <laughs> do you need anything else um and you know he also uh hit me really hard with a dildo for real yeah um, <laughs> God, that thing stank. <laughs> it's like the grossest rubber smell. Um, but yeah, that was a good time. And yep, maybe that should have been on the list. <laughs> Jonathan Dearson's human barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, best yeah. of, best of twenty thirteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or was it fourteen? I think it was twenty fourteen. Yeah. Zach, number three. All right. My number three is I really do apologize because this wasn't intentional. Uh, but I did talk about this film for 82 because I got mixed up with the letterbox bullshit. But anyway, here it is. I, I still stand by it. And what I'm thinking is I'm sitting here now. Well, maybe this is my big break. This is my big chance. You know what I mean? You don't just walk on to a network show without experience. Now, I know it's an old hackneyed expression, but it happens to be the truth. You've got to start at the bottom. I know. That's where I am, at the bottom. That's a perfect place to start. (laughs) 
So will you please give your warmest greetings to the newest king of comedy, Rupert Pupkin. His name is Rupert Pupkin. He lives in a world of make-believe. Oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him. I love him. Nobody can remember his name. Mr. Pipkin. Mr. Pupnik. Mr. Puffer. Rupert. Pupkin, P-U-P-K-I-N. But by 11.30 tonight, the whole world will know that Rupert Pupkin is the new king of comedy. Robert De Niro. Jerry Lewis. In a Martin Scorsese picture. The king of comedy. Yeah, my number three is Joker. I mean, King of Comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, technically the film was released on mass this year, but it was released in another country in 82, and I think that's how I got it mixed up. Um, I still stand by it, but I think people should check it out. It is a wonderful Scorsese picture that kind of goes under the radar. It's not something he's known for on a, on a mainstream scale. Like, out of the six gangster movies he's made, he's made like 15 other films that have nothing to do with that subgenre. And this is a good example of it. And I, I stand by it. Like, if you want to understand how Todd Phillips gets to a movie like Joker and is able to do something with that character, it stems from this. Like, and I think it's it's one of Robert De Niro's more braver performances because it is he's 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 I think he's he's more unlikable in this movie than he is in a gangster movie. And yet there is like he's far more like not relatable, but like you can like sympathize with him because of the rejection he feels from Jerry Lewis's character. Um, and Jerry Lewis is amazing in this film. It's, it is a solid comedy thriller more or less. So it's, it's, it deals with awkward humor the way Seinfeld does. Like there's a lot of cringe in the movie and it's intentional. So yeah, check out the King of comedy. If Fox hasn't, uh, buried it in the Disney vault somewhere. I'm sure it's popular enough that they will. Um, It'd be great if they got it on like Criterion or something. To be honest, they just uh, got After Hours, so I think. Ooh. They might, uh, if that does well, they'll probably poach King of Comedy. Yeah, I'm glad they got After Hours too, because that's needed a Blu-ray release for years. Uh, my number three is the third film, technically the sixth film of a trilogy, um, a favorite of my brother's. Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The next chapter in the continuing Star Wars saga. The battle for freedom rages on. The heart of a hero. The courage of a rebel. The strength of a leader. The loyalty of comrades. The power of the Force. The cunning of the enemy. A destiny revealed. Is Darth Vader my father? A legend fulfilled. An epic of heroes 
villains, and aliens from a thousand worlds. It's a trap! The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. Uh, my number three is Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Um, it's a fun movie. It, I think um, why I'm not as high on as other Star Wars films is when I was growing up, my older brother was a dickhead and he um, would always make me watch Return of the Jedi and not that it's a bad movie, but like, cause my dad had, um, the video cassettes of all the star Wars and I always wanted to watch empire cause I thought it was the coolest one. And my brothers would always say, Oh, return to the Jedi. And I never could pinpoint why they liked it so much. I guess that's something I should ask him now. Um, but it, we only liked it because we wanted to make you miserable. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but it's still a fun movie. Uh, there's some really hokey parts in it. I think this keeps it from being elevated for me. But uh, just watching the trailer again, I mean, I know it's 1983, but I think some of the shots are incredible in the film. Um, and Han Solo is great in the movie. Um, and then the opening when they go to uh, rescue Han, I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think everybody loves the Rancor. Um, and, I don't know. It's just a fun movie, and it's it's not the best Star Wars. It's definitely not the worst Phantom Menace. But like, uh, yep, yeah, I said it. You know, you guys want to fight? Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, no, Rise of Skywalker is not the worst Star Wars. No, nah, I rewatched it uh, last night. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. Um, but yeah, Return of the Jedi. You know, this is be- before the special editions. This is the Star Wars movie that gives you unlimited power. <laughs> Yep, because this was the first Dallas time. Skywalker, <laughs> you will die. I believe Skywalker. I believe they will be quite operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> but yeah, the battles are cool. Um, it is cool seeing Leia actually step up and use. Guns and fight and be cool. Choke a space slug. Yeah, and literally um, kills like yeah. the, the the mafia in the galaxy. <laughs> um, um, because you do not subjugate women, motherfucker. And um, uh, I know this is sometimes seen as a denigrating uh, comment, but a bunch of teddy bears save the galaxy, and it's fucking cool. Because they could yeah, kill. Sure, why not? They could kill and eat you. <laughs> they like they kind of stipulate that clearly on dialogue. Yep. Yeah. Brad, number two. Uh, my number two is a movie I've seen, and it's fine. Okay. So what do you call yourself? Huh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, I used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. 
I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. 1980, Miami. They called it Little Havana, where the American dream had a price tag, and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay. This country, you gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. Scarface. For one brief moment, the world was his. A chick is with. She liked me. He must be kidding. What are you talking about? That's a Cadillac. How do you know? The eyes, Chico. They never lie. Man, that's the boss's lady, okay? I am the boss. That guy's soft. I like you, Tony. There is no lying in you. Here's to the land of opportunity. We do business together a long time. I know the street. And I'm making all of my connections. Remember I told you when you started, the guys who last in this business the guys who fly straight with the right woman there's no stopping me i could go right to the top the word on the street tony is you're not a small-time punk anymore supreme court says that your privacy can be invaded you shoot the house this month you're spending a lot of money on this counter surveillance we're doing 10 million 15 million a month come on that's serious money your bank boys gotta come down a bit. Who else can you trust? That's why you pay us when you do. You trust us. You're in good hands with us. Al Pacino is Scarface. He loved the American dream. With a vengeance. Al Pacino, Scarface. So yeah, my number two is Scarface. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> the way I think uh, college film nerds like it. Um, I just think it's interesting. Like, obviously, Pacino is a Cuban drug lord. Um, and uh yeah it's a remake like it's it's cool yeah. they went in that direction instead of just like making another like 30 gangster p- pick um yeah it's yeah yeah it's i've only seen it like twice though i i think it's an okay movie i mean i think de palma i i think he's kind of he's a good director and he doesn't just i just think he doesn't make enough films for him to get the credit because he always makes his frames interesting yeah mm-hmm. Whether it's you know Carrie or this or Dressed to Kill or whatever you're going to see of De Palma, he may or may not be stealing from a British director from the past, but oh, we'll I, never know. No, I mean I think he pretty much says he is. <laughs> yeah, he's just but, like I ripped him off. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad film. I just I don't like it. Like in in the context of Scarface, the the one in, the one from the 30s is way better. Um, I will say that it's interesting how the film has become as influential as it is, not just within film circles, but 
in like in rap culture and everything like that. It's like it's a very iconic image for that. Oh yeah, for that subsect, and it's like I remember when the thirty. I, I don't know if it's like the twentieth anniversary DVD came out or something like that. Um, but I remember the blockbuster near us like had like a huge, huge standee of Tony Montana and like all the different editions that you could get with it and like looking at the way home video media has capitalized on this film like there's a whole edition of it where you can get like a whole box of fucking cigars with it if you pay a thousand dollars i'm just like that is the that is crazy um so i mean props to it for becoming such an influential classic but i just i just don't vibe with it I think his best influence on me is it's uh, inspiration for Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which I got hours and hours of enjoyment out of. <laughs> so in a way. I enjoyed way more than the movie. Of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always tried to like find the chainsaw in that one apartment yep. in Vice City. <laughs> I always thought Grand Theft Autos were mo- more fun messing around than like advancing Playing the story. The game, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I, was just, I always just explored the world. More than I or tried to break it, yeah. <laughs> than uh, playing the story, like I don't think I actually finished any of the stories. You know, I, I was, oh, I'm kind of bored. I'm just gonna run over pedestrians. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna jump on the back of this uh, like program truck that's just moving on its own and fire out the back. <laughs> get, try to get the cops to yeah <laughs> see what happens. Down. Yeah, yeah. Just can I break into this uh, spot in the game and like climb <laughs> this thing and yeah, or just jump off and see what happens when you yeah. hit the pavement. <laughs> so. Yeah, Scarface, my number two. Uh, Zach, number two. My number two is a repeat. It's National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, yeah. In, <laughs> s- in spite of the Chevy Chase of it all, I can still He's watch still good in it. Though. Yeah, I can still watch this film and really enjoy him. My, my favorite line in the movie is, I'm going to have fun. You're going to have fun. We're going to have so much fun. They're going to have to perform surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. Um, uh and we'll we'll be whistling zippity doodah out our assholes. Like it's it's such a wonderful performance to watch him go from this optimism to just finally breaking and yelling at his family. And in terms of when it came out, I think it stands as a commentary on how you perceived your family vacation versus what it actually was. Like all the stress that the parents go through. Like it really is trying to like pinpoint the parental element of it um and i think it just takes it to these wonderful heights uh it's an incredibly well-paced well-directed comedy um i don't and i like the vacation series a lot like the european and vegas are not great but i'll watch them uh and christmas vacation has a lot of cachet with my sister so uh you know i i give it up to this movie for being as audacious as it was for the time and like I still have never seen the remake, partially because I just have no desire to change anything with this yeah. one in particular. Not saying it wouldn't be a fun time, but just not the same. So, and John Candy's great in it, yeah, and his cameo great. is great. Uh, my number two is stars an actor that every few years everybody counts him out, and then he comes back and then reminds everybody why he's one of the best. You can't put a Jack Benny movie on your list. This is he is dead already. Oh, what a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Just another excuse for being lazy. Merry Christmas. And a bar humbug. Merry Christmas Day.
time for giving. A time to be with one's family. Oh my! Look at all the wonderful things to eat. I see an empty chair. A tiny Surely they have more food than that. I pay you two shillings a day. My number two is Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, and yeah, every time Mickey shows up, he, I mean, he goes through a thing where he's not cool anymore. And then Disney puts out something that reminds you that Mickey is one of the greatest characters of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an adaptation, of course, of Charles Dickinson's Christmas Carol, um, but told with a lot of Disney characters. There's lots of Easter eggs as you go through the town. There's Pinocchio and a bunch of other ones. And I love the little um, title card. The three little pigs are in it. Um, but it's just a really cute movie. Uh, and it, I looked, it was released in theaters and it did have a theatrical poster and it was in the UK. It was before the jungle book re-release and in America it was before the rescuers Christmas re-release. Um, so yeah, it just follows the same story, but there, I, I, I always associate Scrooge McDuck with the Christmas Carol now and, did they create that for this? No. Scrooge McDuck actually was first appeared in a comic book oh. mm-hmm. by Carl Barks Banks and um And he, he was able to ascend into some form of like yeah. animated form by the this, Is this the first thing he's in? It might be. Because this is like you know, obviously eighty three, but yeah. like the next thing he was in was the DuckTales, right? Yeah. Oh, woo yeah. woo. Yes. It's like ninety. Yeah. 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 Um, I think this is the first Christmas Carol thing I ever saw. No, for sure, for me. And thusly, it makes it disappointing every time we get to Christmas Future, and it's not just Pete smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> but there, it, there, it is really tugs really hard on your heartstrings mm-hmm. um, because you know I always when Mickey is slicing the bean. And it's like really thin, and yeah. Um, Which were they reusing animation for maybe. from fucking fun and fancy free? Because that's what it is. I know, uh, but the, the Mickey spirit in it, where he's going to work hard to try to provide for his family, and when that that moment where Scrooge sees how um, Mickey Mouse lives. And all he wants to do is provide for his family. And he doesn't understand how Mickey is happy without having money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that moment is great. And then, yeah, you you draw, have tears come out of your mind when Scrooge is pleading with the ghost. He's like, what happens to Tiny Tim? What happens to him? And he just points at the grave. And it's, you know, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it does. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And it. Again, it's it's a it's a morality tell, and it, at the end of the day, just don't be a fucking asshole. And it's a great ghost story. Yeah. Um. I uh uh 
I think like it's funny because like I it, this was a good cursory way to get into earlier Disney films because Willie the Giant is the Ghost of Christmas Present. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a good, it's a decent enough introduction to Goofy. Um, but uh, it's it's just I I think it's incredible how people reinterpret this story in their own fashion. And Disney did it in thirty minutes, which seems impossible because like every other adaptation it gets way more elaborate mm-hmm. or way more like stylized and this one's just pretty simple it yeah. it does kind Break of get down to its core that's what disney does yeah mm. that's the thing like they they mean pinocchio is not the, not no. the book no. so you know um but yeah yeah it's a great film if i had known we could put theatrical shorts on this list i would have done this damn it uh technically a theatrical release film i know but and if a frog had wings it wouldn't pump its ass when it hopped zach Brad, your number one film. Uh, my number one is a repeat. It is Return of the Jedi. Mm, Clearly the best be. film of this year. Um, no, and, no. Yeah, it's, you know, classic Star Wars. Uh, watched it a bunch back in the day. And yeah, I don't know what else <laughs> new ground I can cover. Uh, it's far and away. Uh, I, I can tell you that it's re-release in 475 theaters this week. Made like six million dollars. Yeah, so that's impressive. Interesting to see how Box Office Mojo records that total. Yeah, is it going to well, be original or a- unless it have it's its own a- separate thing? Unless it's Avatar or Titanic, it's yeah. separate. Um, I actually almost went to see it Thursday night at midnight, but uh, I was just like, oh, I got to make this I fucking should, DVD. I should have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, like far and away, it's the best thing on my list. Like. There's just Return of the Jedi. It's like at, at the level of all my other lists, and then you know, next Everything time Scarface. <laughs> so, yeah, Return of the Jedi. I, I miss seeing the original original version of it. So, yeah, you think if they were doing a 40th anniversary release of Return <laughs> yeah. of the Jedi, they put out the 40 year old version of it? <laughs> no, no, you're not going to get it. But no, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we never will because I, I was reading that those elements don't exist anymore. Yeah, I burned them. I burned them all. I mean, you could just make new ones and yeah. treat it like the, the, old, de- the old version. But the despecialized editions proved that you could for Blu-ray at least. Well, I mean, there has to be somewhere lying around. Someone has to have it. I mean, they find freaking movies from the twenties. I'm guessing there's maybe it's like the day the clown cried, where he gave a print to the Library of Congress, and after he's dead, like six months later, it'll get released. It is a weird sword to die on, where they won't show you the original films. It's weird, right? Mm. I think it might have to do with George Lucas being alive. So maybe once that guy kicks it, but he doesn't own Lucasfilm. Any- there's probably something in the contract, though. Like, yeah, he can't release. As long as I'm alive, you can't put yeah. out the version I hate. <laughs> um. It might be too, because like he didn't get to direct those two. Oh, maybe. So he's like, it's uh, there's always like. Well, a when you watch, I mean, Return of the Jedi special edition it's, is the one that has the most. Yeah, it's the most fucked with. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, I mean, the the Cantina scene alone, or the Jabba. I mean, the Jabba. Max Rebo band yeah. part. Yeah. You go whoa. And yeah. And the Coruscant stuff out at the end of yeah. the in the song. Reengineered, yeah. Empire's relatively untouched, yeah. And I, I, New Hope's editions, like the, it's the Java scene that frustrates me the most. Uh, outside of that, like he still has some model work in there. Yeah. So. Um, but I do have that like DVD, those the, the three DVDs that they put out where they have the theatrical versions stuck on there. Mm. But that the 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 trick is, children, 
is that they um, they uh, formatted it where it's only for four by three televisions and widescreen. So it's literally like looking in a shadow box. Uh, so like the best way to watch it is on a computer and that's bullshit. So. Or a letterbox laser disc. Yes. Yes. Again, that's how the despecialized editions were able to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach, number one. My number one is a repeat. It's Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Um, I got him. You yeah, got him you twice. Did. Yeah, dude. you did. You just fucked him. Proud of you. No lube. Yeah. Wait till ninety three. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, no, I I love Monty Python, and I and I realized that as two of their big films didn't come out till the seven or t- came out in the seventies, we're not going to talk much about them in the grand scheme of film. But I'm a huge Monty Python fan, um, and this film is not my favorite of their films. But in the grand scheme of 1983, it's the film that I know the most and can quote the most that isn't Return of the Jedi, maybe. Um, it's uh, it's such a funny sketch film that does work through a thematic concept of birth, life, and death. Um, I think it's the last bastion of getting something fun out of the group before it turns into a best-of-highlights reel. Um I I I I know Mr. Creosote gets all the attention but um I think that this film has other elements of it like choosing the best way to die and it's a guy running away from a bunch of topless women um uh jogging at him and he falls off a cliff is f- fucking funny. Um I think that John Cleese teaching sex, sex education um by bringing in his wife <laughs> into the classroom to demonstrate positions is hilarious. Um, and, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, there's no, I think this, uh, the, the songs in this film are not the superb best, but they are so damn funny. Uh, every sperm is sacred is one of the most, uh, uh, audacious musical sequences where nothing dirty is necessarily happening in the frame. But it's because of the context of what they're doing, and they're like poking fun at Roman Catholicism. And then the very end of the sketch is uh, peeking in on two Protestants, going like, "Of course not. We'd never have that many children. We're Protestants. We can have sex as much as we want and use condoms." Like it's 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 funny. Uh, the Galaxy song that Eric Idle sings is a wonderfully touching statement about how we're all fucked anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, and I do think that it is very appropriate that the last Monty Python movie would end with them all going with all with all of them dying and going up to heaven. And it's just this big lounge number. Um, and the short film that Terry Gilliam does at the beginning, The Crimson Permanent Insurance, is one of those great short films that we don't get enough of where, like, you do a short film at the beginning of your regular feature. Like, the Coen brothers did it for Serious Man, but... Uh, Crimson Permanent Assurance is like, you know, you want to know like who was stoned enough to give them all the money to do that. Uh, but it's so worth whatever investment they did because it's a great short film that doesn't require massive amounts of dialogue. It gets its point across super well from a silent motif. Um, yeah, I just think it's one of the like out of the in the grand scheme of movies trying to be a sketch movie. I like this movie more than History of the World Part One. And that's a movie that I really, really enjoy. So, like, to give you context, like, if if a Monty Python movie was going to exemplify what the show was, this is it. So, yeah, Meaning of Life, number one. Yeah, it's Monty Python. 
Yeah, again, like I, I'd be curious to see how you if you latch onto it differently as an older viewer. Maybe. I'm sure I'll watch it again. Yeah. I don't mind putting them on. Hmm. Man, I can't believe this one didn't end up on anybody's list. It's my favorite film from 1983. Um, I told you at the beginning of our countdown that this actor sandwiched my lists. Mm-hmm. And this is one of his films I think he's really famous for, but is also overlooked. And this is my number one film. So your folks are going out of town. Just use your best judgment. You know we trust you. You got the place all to yourself? A good time, Joel. In the privacy of your own home. Just take those old records off the shelf. That's her. She's fantastic. Yeah. I said listen to him by myself. Did you have a good time last night? <laughs> I had a great time. Day's music ain't got the same song. You ever get high, Joe? Don't let me do anything stupid. Don't worry. I like that old time of rock and roll. Who's the U-boat commander? Don't try to take me to a disco. I don't remember giving permission for a party, Joe. A party? Got a trig midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. Doesn't anyone want to accomplish anything, or do we just want to make money? Make money. Make a lot of money. There's a time for playing it safe. And a time for risky business. Uh, My number one film is Tom Cruise in Risky Business. Uh, It's... A high school comedy slash drama film where he his parents go away and leave him in charge of the house and he opens up a brothel and uh, <laughs> like you do yeah like you do and he who hasn't opened up a brothel <laughs> in high school <laughs> but it's one of those films i really like and it's really fun um and again tom cruise is really good in it and yeah if i had to pick a favorite film from 1983 it was this one uh, did Risky Business come out before All the Right Moves or the other way around? Uh, ooh, I don't even know. I want to say after because I think it was All the Right Moves, then The Outsiders, and then Risky Business. The Outsiders was 85, so it's already like two years ahead of this. Yeah. Or is it 84? It says, and on Letterbox it says 83. I've really? still never seen The Outsiders, so I can't comment. Really? Stay golden, pony boy. Uh, Outsiders is okay. Um uh, the 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 thing with Tom Cruise is if that he's not if he's not shooting pool with Paul Newman I don't understand it. <laughs> like when I went to Top Gun Maverick I was like why isn't he shooting pool with I Paul mean, that's, Newman? That's another one that's really good that doesn't oh, yeah. get a lot of play. Oh yeah, well we'll talk about it because so, it's not. It's, Outsiders came out in March of 1983. Wow. Hmm. Um, I want to say Risky Business is a summer movie. That explains his teeth because they probably shot in '82. Um. But yeah, so it's but it also has like he stole his parents' car, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off is three years away. Um, but yeah, I was just mentioning because like obviously this is the one from this year that he blew up from. Yeah, so that's August was Risky Business. All the right moves has a feeling of like a February movie. I'm going to say February or April. It looks more like an Oscar drama for the fall. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to look it up. That's what the great about the internet. But you, people should see Risky Business because Tom Cruise is really good in it, and it's really funny. 
And October is all the right moves. So, so it went outsiders, risky business, then all the right moves. Would you say that Interesting. when it was released in October, it was underneath an October sky? Because that's what the trailer <laughs> feels like. I bring it all back. <laughs> <laughs> you turned off my sound. Um, How did he do that? I'm so operating. Yeah, those are those are my favorite films from 1983, highlighted by <laughs> Risky Business. Uh, we did get one email. We made oh, it, guys. Uh, Corinne said he. Uh, Corinne said he. Corinne said she sent a, sent something to us in the text thread. Um, so I don't know. Um, but our 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 lone email is from Carol Hart again. Um, so here we go. Hello, real nerds. Hope this finds you all doing well. Rich and I were at the Alamo a few weeks ago to see Dungeons and Dragons. That was fun. Yeah. We hadn't been in a few months. We were excited to see that they updated the way you pay for your meals. That's right. That you give them the card now and they just take it. We had experienced that at the Alamo mission in San Francisco and loved it. We didn't get to the theater much in 1983. Jake turned three that October. He was entertaining all by himself. Aww. <laughs> Most of the movies from this year we saw later and it's been a long time. I'm mostly rating them by positive feelings. More than content. I think that's how we all kind of feel about this list. Yeah. Um, therefore, I'm going to keep it this simple, short, short and sweet. First, what's up with two James Bond movies in this in one year? Octopussy was never was meh, and never say never again. Worst ever. Don't disagree. Uh, number ten, National Lampoon's Vacation. This movie holds a special place in our family. When Jake was 14 and James was seven, we drove to California. Our first stop was Disneyland. Rich and I kept talking about going to Wally World. The boys had not seen the movie. We decided to rent it when we got back home. I picked it up and then realized that it was rated R. We couldn't remember why it was rated R, maybe just the language. Rich told the boys, if you hear something you shouldn't hear, cover your ears. If you see something you shouldn't see, cover your eyes. And if anyone asks you where you saw the movie, tell them you saw it at a friend's house. Other than that, I don't really like the movie that much. <laughs> it's the experience. Um, number nine, The Big Chill. This is Hollywood's version of 1979 indie movie, Return of the Secaucus 7. Secaucus. 7. Mm -hmm. uh, number eight, Risky Business. Woo! <laughs> That's what James is doing when you're out of town, Carol. He was turning your house into a brothel. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Um, number seven. Trading. Why are we picturing James sliding across the fucking linoleum? I am fucking A. <laughs> number seven is Trading Places. Six, A Christmas Story. Five, War Games. Shall we play a game? Mm. Uh, number four, Sudden Impact. Go ahead, make my day. There you go, Carol. Three, Tender Mercies. Um, don't know what that one is. No comment. Yeah, maybe uh, hit me up. The Right Stuff is number two. Y'all remember my son, James, right? <laughs> <laughs> and number one is Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. And she says, told you it was simple. It was just Return of the Jedi in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, nerd. <laughs> um, here's a few we didn't. Let us know if we should. All the right moves? I say yes. Silkwood? I have no idea. Oh, um, Kurt Russell's in it and with Meryl Streep. Okay. He's, he's, he's good. You say Kurt Russell, I'm sold. Yeah. It's a drama, though, so be prepared. No Snake Plissken or anything. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers? is interesting no comment never seen it um gorky park never heard of it is that a sequel to porkies <laughs> without a trace oh is that vanishing like uh no comment and then educating rita 
Um, Carol, as you can see, and if you've listened to this episode, uh, we're not big fans of 1983. I'm 32. I don't know these movies. <laughs> these sound like old people movies. No. And she says, I think I'll start working on 1993. Ryan says it's better here, and you're doing it soon. Yikes. As always, I look forward to listening. Love you, Carol. Uh, yes, 93. And I, I'll, I'll mention it again when we do uh, the film explosion. I'm banking on you guys putting movies I did not put on my list. Because I have oh, yeah. so many films that I wanted to put on there that I put some on there that it's like, I don't think anyone else is going to pick this. So I have to put this on here. I uh, made this. I made the King of comedy mistake in 93 again, but I will tell you that the mistake <laughs> I made actually brought the film up a spot <laughs> in the list. So, um, yeah. Oh, sweet. I got to confirm. Um, Oh, we did get another list. <gasps> is it from Corinne? That's <laughs> from Jake. Well, for, for oh, it's 93. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got excited. I was like, whoa, someone else is. <laughs> but wait, way to go, Jake. Uh, um, appreciate it. But we did get one comment on all the postings I've done for Film Explosion in 1983. Mm-hmm. Let me let me pull up my Facebook feed, guys. Dun, one second. Dun, 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 dun. So if you had to sum up 1983, Zach, how would you sum up 1983 movie-wise? On an overall sense, uh, it has some eclectic choices, but it's not a, like a landmark year. I would, I would imagine. Like, I, it, I think it's a, it's, it's what any year in movie going should be. It should be just steady entertainment, solid selections here and there. Doesn't need to be fancy. Just needs to entertain you and get you into that movie theater for another day. Wow. See, I say that, then I found there's another list on here. Um. So uh, it's the snap. Like yes. everybody's come back from the snap. <laughs> they uh, remember to send their list. This is what happens when I get really busy at work. I just forget. Um, Brad Rusk sent us a list. Um, Blue Thunder. I don't even know what that is. Has anyone, has anyone seen Blue Thunder? Um, Scarface. Lone cool. Wolf McQuaid. Fuck yeah. Right on. Uh, War Games. Cool. <laughs> Jaws 3D. Saw in, <laughs> Good saw you, in 3D. Man, I'm old. Uh, Brainstorm, Twilight Zone the movie. That one's always tough for me. Yeah. Uh, Kroll, Space Hunter, Adventure in the Forbidden Zone. I've still never seen Kroll. Worth my time? Uh, It's fun. Okay. Cool. Strange Invaders, Videodrome, and Cujo. Oh, Cujo. Cujo's really good. I just don't go back to Cujo. Blue Thunder is Frank Murphy is a courageous and honorable Los Angeles police officer who has chosen to test run Blue Thunder, a high-tech experimental attack helicopter. While flying Blue Blue Thunder, Murphy and his partner discover that the government intends to use the helicopter for corrupt crowd control and surveillance. Fuck yeah. It sounds 80s. Made uh, $42 million. This sounds like the Did Tommy really? Lee. On a budget of 22 Sounds like the It sounds like the Tommy Lee Jones... Uh, uh, Linda Hamilton film has that I'm drawing a blank on the name. Starring Roy Scheider. Oh, I'm sold. War Notes, Candy Clark, Daniel Stern. Does he get Does he get the shit kicked out of him by Macaulay Culkin in it? Yeah, the Blue Thunder hangs a paint can <laughs> and flies around just whacking people in the head it's with it. It's blue and it hits him. That's the thunder part. Yeah. Is Joe Pesci the helicopter? <laughs> well, you just got hit by Blue Thunder, man. <laughs> Um, filmmaker Rafael Antonio Ruiz sent us. He said, War Games was my favorite when I was a kid. 
And he says, worth discussing is brainstorm. That's a second brainstorm. So now I have to look this up. Because two people have picked it. Okay. I feel like maybe we're missing something. Maybe maybe we're the problem. Maybe 1983 is good. We're the problem, guys. Is, was Brainstorm as big a hit as Gone with the Wind? Maybe that's what we're missing. Like Maybe it made all the money and we're just not realizing it. I definitely know my lack of watching any movies from 1983 definitely hurt. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of them. I just... Should here's here's a question to the audience: Should we do brainstorm as a retro review? Brainstorm as Christopher Walken. Five G doesn't work down here. Uh, I'm I'm looking right now for brainstorm. Uh, I mean, I know Dead Zone is also an '83 movie. I haven't seen it yet, and I heard it's one of uh, one of the best Stephen King adaptations. Check your XLR, buddy. Um, yeah, it's uh, two brilliant research scientists have invented a device capable of recording and playing back sensory experiences only to have devastating results when one of them records their own death. Okay. Intriguing. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna see if I can find this and watch it. Okay. Because I have two people telling me, and Cliff Robertson's in it. Yeah, so, I Natalie mean, Wood. Uncle Ben, I have to see it. Yeah. If he tells me great power comes with great responsibility while using the brainstorm device, I'm sold. Or if maybe it's a sequel to uh, a sequel to Flowers for Algernon. You know, that might be what it is. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's Film Explosion 1983. Thank you for people for actually participating. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was funny when we were putting this together, too. I told Brad, I don't know where I read the article, but it says summer of 1983 was a worst year for summer movies. Um, and, yeah. It seems like it kind of petered out. But uh, next week on Real Nerds, we're seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Mm-hmm. And, like Jake, start sending us those lists for 1993. I'm telling you, 93 is an incredible year for movies. Oh, yeah. Because we'll be right back at it the next week. Yeah, because there's seriously two of Spielberg's best movies are that year. And, um, and Coneheads, the motion picture. Yes, and Coneheads. <laughs> Chris Farley's first movie. Yes. Is that year as well guys guys that they 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 address the pressing issue of the drink that the astronauts took to the moon astronauts to the moon <laughs> i'll edit that out yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks everybody sent us your list thanks for listening we'll see you at the movies bye bye-bye i'm telling you all it's a film explosion film explosion Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.